Hello everybody and welcome to this edition of the Fantasy Book Club. Today, continuing with our classics theme, we'll, we will be discussing The Wonderful Wizard of Oz by L. Frank Baum. And um, I don't know about you, but maybe it's because it was published so long ago. I think it was 1900 it was published, but this really, really felt like a children's book. The other children's books we've read in the past you could sort of tell they were kids' books, but you could still sort of get enjoyment out of it. This one I liked, but seemed quite childish, but then again, that's just me. And Obviously, it's a classic that has apparently um, lasted for, I don't know, something like four generations, so I don't know, maybe I'm missing something. Well, first, I don't know how much the movie has had to do with how well the book has lasted. Secondly, Compared to Alice, I liked, I really liked this book. Um, it had a coherence that Alice did not. Of course, they aren't really trying to do the same things, I know. But um, it made more sense to me. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yes, it was a children's book, and it was pretty obviously a children's book. And she should have been scared out of her gourd by some of the things that happened, but she wasn't, which was also true of Alice. You know, amazing things happened, and she kind of, okay. Uh, <laughs> so, um, but I, I liked it. Well, I read it sometime back, and I didn't get a chance to read it um, this month because I've been running around and whatever. Um, it's been a rather peculiar month. But anyway, um, but when I did read it, you know, I, I again, the language that it was used, because it is a classic book, Okay, and it was written in whatever, 19, whatever. Um, the language is stilted. It's, it's not, it doesn't flow as well as um, some of the more modern uh, kids, kids' books we've read. Um, but I found it to be a, a good book. I mean, I, you know, it's been a while, as I say, since I've read it. Um, but it seemed to fairly well follow the movie. But, of course, you know, my trouble is that when I think of The Wizard of Oz, I think of the movie. I don't think of the book at all. I, I've i read it, you know, but I I still have, you know, Judy, Gar- Julie, Judy Garland in my head. And, you know, that's about where it goes, you know. Um... But I, I found it a, a good book. I wouldn't read it every day. I wouldn't read it. Um, it's not a, a reread sort of a book. But I liked it. I don't think I'll read the others in the series, but I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I did keep reading it with Now, did they do that in the movie? And I found sometimes Hollywood totally makes a hash of a story and just totally makes it a totally different tale. And they didn't on this. And, yeah, they left some things out, you know, the China people and so on. There were a few things. But, you know, you can't do it all in an hour and a half or 90 minutes or whatever they planned for that to be. And uh, you have budgeting constraints and so on. And I thought it was remarkably like the movie also, or the movie was remarkably like the book. One thing I like about the book over the movie is it wasn't excused as a dream. I hate that when something happens, and it's okay if it's thought to be a dream, and then the person finds something that tells him or her that it had been real. 
I like that, but I don't like the, oh, it was really all a dream. Of course, they had to do that in the 30s, I guess, to make the parents happy. Yeah, I didn't actually see the movie, but um, in the afterward, it said that the movie had changed it to where it was all a dream. and Yeah, that would kind of wreck the validity of it a bit. If you do have a chance to see the movie sometime, do see it, Julia. It's it's a fun movie. It's a kid's movie, and it's silly, and, of course, the sound is old, and, and the songs are, you know, 1930, although nothing, somewhere over the rainbow is is always beautiful. but um, And the acting's kind of stilted and so on, like they did in the 30s. But it's a fun movie. It's, it's a classic. If you have a chance to see it, you ought to see the movie. Which reminds me, I finally have a DVD player that works. I can't believe it. I can start getting movies now. The only place is finding a video store that actually rents them. They seem to be all closing in favor of Netflix. Well, actually, um, if you want the movie, um, the System Access Mobile Network has it. I think, uh, what's his name over at uh, Blind Mice Mega Mall has it. Um, so you don't have to search too far. I think it is out of copyright, so you might be able to find it on uh, YouTube or, you know, one of those other places without spending a whole raft of money. I'm sure that um, Netflix has it, so it's it's locatable. Might even be able to get it on Amazon or on Amazon or um, iTunes. I don't know. They have movies. And now we're all trying very hard to pretend like we like our iPhones now that uh, uh, NLS is on iPhones or iDevices. Well, I didn't need NLS to like my iDevice. I just needed the Kindle app, and I was quite happy. Do you like Kindle? That's good. Did you get Dean's book? No. I guess I should have. Shoot. I just... Hmm. I guess I should do that. Whose book? One of our people in the creative writing group has actually no... Three of our Lana included has people have books published. Wow. That's really neat. I've got huh. I'm sitting here with let's see. Two and a half novels sitting on my computer. I haven't done a thing with them. But I enjoy dabbling and you know, I've written a bunch and I have no idea if they're any good. I like them, but that's only because I've written them. Oh, wow. Cool. You should join our creative writing group if you feel like it. I'm so far behind in my reading. I um, go through new books on on NLS and Audible and Bookshare, and I tend to pile up because I'm afraid that I won't be able to find it again. So I, I put it on the wish list or read it or whatever. Uh, or, and download it. And of course, with uh, NaNoWriMo this month, I haven't been able to get much reading done, although I am ahead of where I should be on NaNoWriMo, so that's good. Oh, good. I'm glad you managed to catch up. You, you lost a bunch of stuff. But um, we should probably get back to fantasy, although writing is always lovely to talk about. Um, only I just don't know what I was going to say. I thought the reader did a surprisingly good job. Um, when she did the squeaky voice for the mouse, and then she, when she talked for the scarecrow, she somehow did it without making it silly or without exaggerating it to the point where it sounded ridiculous. It wasn't what I would call a cartoon voice, and yet she got that squeaky in there. I don't know quite how she did it, because... Usually when people, I like people to read expressions 
of people, you know, a, a little higher for the woman and a little lower for the man, but not real high for the woman or real deep for the man. It gets extreme. In fact, we've had quite a lot of talk about that on at, on Bard, Bard Talk. But but she seemed to handle the different waves of speech. I thought she handled it awfully well. Yes, I agree. It, I guess now that I think about it, it would have been really easy for her to exaggerate things and sort of make it you know, sort of, like you said, cartoony, because, I mean, it is a kid's book, so I guess it would be the temptation. I'm not really sure. I know there are some purists out there who don't want any expression. They want to put all the meaning in themselves, but, oh, come on. Let's face it. We are being entertained as well as read. Let's enjoy it. So a, a certain amount, as long as it's not extreme, is can add fun to the book. Well, yeah, I'm I mean, books would be really boring if they were just read because you're not putting meaning into it. You're having it read to you. If you read it yourself, then you can put all the meaning in that you want. But if you're reading somebody else's interpretation of it, you either end up liking it or not liking it because of voice or, you know, expressions. Or, you, or they don't do things the way you picture the characters sounding like. Or... Well, what I find is um, if I read a book in Braille, and then I go back and I read the audio copy. Uh, you know, uh, I, what what really irritates me is that sometimes the the readers pronounce names of people differently than I would if I was reading it in Braille. And you know, I'm used to quote hearing unquote in my brain the names that you know that I've pronounced for these characters and um you know it's just different it's like um one one problem i have with with talking book readers who read series and they change the reader in the middle of the series i wish what they would do is if they're going to change the reader in the middle of the series i wish the second reader would go back and read or listen to the reading of the first readers so that the pronunciation of the names would be the same. That's the only thing I have against multiple readers for a series, is that so often the names get changed. Um, and, you know, you're, you're looking for somebody with a certain pronunciation of name, and it's not there anymore. It's some different person, and is that the, really the same person I thought it was? What is hilarious, and the sort of truth, um, in the first few books, this one empire was kind of a nasty bunch, the Deharan Empire, and the reader interpreted it with a Russian accent, which was kind of interesting and kind of fun, because there were some nasties in there, and even when they turned out to be the good guys, some of the, the military types, I mean, they... they, they uh, they didn't, the no holds barred. They were serious about what they, about their fighting. But um, then you get another reader who doesn't give it an accent at all, and you just kind of, ah. Oh, yeah. Um, I think the NLS ones gave it a Russian accent. But not some of the later books. The earlier, the first four or five or six after that, I got them from Audible. But Well, not all of them. Some of them from Audible. But then they got a different reader. And, and he also pronounced, they, that's my iPhone, um, he also pronounced one of the characters, Nietzsche, in the, in the first 
the first guy that read it, and then ever after that she was pronounced Nikki. So I don't know if it's spelled CCI, because I think in some cases the double C is pronounced with a CH, or whether it is spelled with a CK. I don't know, but it's it's really funny to hear that difference in pronunciation. By the way, she was such a nasty, and the first book we saw her in that the Nietzsche name worked for her. It didn't work later on because she becomes one of the good guys. But Well, I just happened to notice it because... Um, I needed some escape reading uh, in the last month or so, and I started reading all the Anne McCaffrey books I could get my hands on, and I started reading the Pern books, and in the first three Pern books, you know, they they pronounced the abbreviated names of the dragon riders with the letter and then the, the last part of the person's name, like Enton, and then... In later books, it's Natan. So, you know, it's like, okay, whatever works. But uh, I, I really wish they'd go back and, and, and listen to the, the previous reader's pronunciation so they'd get it all straight. Yeah, it doesn't seem very professional to have all the pronunciations change in the middle like that. The uh, I think that would drive me crazy to have the F-lar and... Ethnor and oh, that'd drive me crazy to have them pronounced that way. Well, actually, I think they're supposed to be pronounced that way because the the F and the N and the you know the so forth were the the initials of the the founding families, and so that's why they they abbreviated those names like that. I think that was what that deal was all about. But anyway. It's just a difference in in the way things work out, um, but I I still, you know, I I just love those characters in the Wizard of Oz. You know, the the uh, the Scarecrow and the Tin Man and the Lion and the so forth, and uh, um, you know, I just they're they're so I don't know. I maybe it's because they're they're flat characters, but they're so endearing, I think, and um, they just—they kind of—they—they're they, warm fuzzies. What can I say? I'm not really into three-dimensional characters anyway. Uh, usually, they turned out to be neurotics, and you know, I'd rather have likable characters. Um, one thing I found about this, and I also noticed it with the the Susan Cooper book we read, is the kids are problem solvers. Or in this, they the the people in the story, the scarecrow and so on, with with using the tree to get across the ditch and so on. In a lot of cases, they have they have a problem. And they come up with an idea, and they figure out how to deal with the problem, just like the kids in um, uh, under, Oversea Under Stone had to do to figure out what does this code mean, and what does this, where do we find this part on the map? There's a lot of really good problem solving that goes into both of these books. Yeah, and it was funny that the scarecrow was coming up with the solutions, and but he claimed he didn't have a brain, and it seems like all the the. I mean, the scarecrow, the lion, and the um, woodman already had what they sought, but they, because they believed they didn't have it, it was almost like they didn't have it, even though they did, and then when they got what they thought was it, then it could sort of come surface. That was brought out a lot in the movie, too. Um, you, you know, you, you have a brain, all you need is a diploma, 
or you have a heart, and I forgot what he gave the guy with the heart, and then the lion, he gave him a medal for courage, you know, but, but you saw all through the, I mean, sometimes the lion acted like he was terrified, but when it came to it, he would come through, and he would, he would do what needed to be done, they all did, and, um, but it was an emblem of their power, and, and it was clear in the movie that they were using the very things they thought they didn't have. Well, yeah, that's the whole point of the whole thing. Um, that's that's the that's the whole point of the whole the whole story is that that um the characters were acting the way they should be acting if they were smart or if they were compassionate or if they were courageous and you know they they just were given um acknowledgement of what they were doing so they were actually doing what they were doing um and yes it is made quite a you know cuz the cuz the wizard in the movie does this whole presentation you know it takes about i don't know 3 or 4 minutes of airtime you know where he presents the the diploma to the the scarecrow and the the uh the heart to the to the tin man which is actually a clock sort of i mean it ticks and everything, and then the the courageous medal, the medal of courage to the lion, and you know they, they've just been doing the the things that they thought they couldn't do all along, and I think that's that that's the whole point is it is you you do what you have to do and you do what you're supposed to do, and I just have to say that as far as the problem solving kind of bit, I I wish that uh, there were more stories like that today and that, that more young people would, would read them and, and uh, benefit from them. Because I know uh, a couple of students of mine that could benefit from that kind of thing. Problem solving. What do you do when something goes wrong? How do you solve a problem? Oh, well, I better not get into that or I'll take up the whole recording with ranting and raving so <laughs> I better not do that actually I'd like a course in problem solving I um you know I think in my writing it would benefit for me because I get my characters into spots and then I think well now how am I going to deal with this how am I going to deal how am I going to get them out of that situation and uh, you know I wish I could visually watch McIver episodes where he came up with all sorts of ingenious whether they would work or not another thing ingenious way to take ordinary things and do extraordinary things with them I thought that was but I of course never knew what they were I mean it was a good series I enjoyed it for the series itself but but I never knew the things he he did that other people saw him do to create things which is what made the series unique well you know the old adage uh Lana, is that you write about what you know. So if you write about what you know, then the problem solving comes naturally. But what I know is so damn boring. But not to other people it isn't. It may be to you, but it isn't to other people. Um, and I, yeah, yeah, I should talk. Um, my my books are, are, well, they're sort of about things I know, but not really. Um but anyway, that's neither here nor there. And if either of you wanna want to um, 
peruse the the writings of a very bad writer. You you may certainly do that, but just ask me privately. Um, but then if you only write what you know, well, I personally don't want Lena to write what she knows because she writes such wonderful, nice little science fiction-y fantasy stories. I'd be bored to tears writing what I wrote. No, now, in that blind craft book, or blind stitch book, I wrote what I knew, but that wasn't fiction. That was just me rambling all about my attempts to do um, a tactile art. So that, but, yeah, I wouldn't, I mean, I'd be bored stiff writing stories about ordinary people that were living, or, I mean, I've tried to read Debbie McComber. I read 16 Lighthouse when, when Cedar Cove came on, and I watched Cedar Cove, and after the first couple episodes, it bored the tears out of me, because it was so slow. I want more action, more conflict, more tension, but, but, Anne, seriously, we do have a, Julie and I are in a writer's group, and, and contact us off list. I think you'd, you'd enjoy joining in. Well, you know, the problem is there's only 24 hours in the day. And, um, you know, it's... it's, It's allocating time. You know, you just got these 24 hours and you have to, you have to allocate them. Well, I suppose I could, but, um, yeah, let me know off list. So, um... In any case. Um, all right. Back to the wizard. Um, I forget in the book, the, 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 is the wizard the balloonist in the, in the book or is he something else? I, I forget. Um, as I say, I've read it some time back. Yes, the wizard is the balloonist, and it, he's not really a wizard. <laughs> he, uh, I think he came in a gas balloon, but he um, had the, what he created was a hot air balloon. Uh, and, of course, it got away, just like it does in the movie. It gets away before she gets in. Toto runs off, and she has to find Toto. And, and when she gets back, it just as she's almost there, it blows away. Some things I missed that are in the movies. I missed lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. They did do the oh, my repeat three times at one point in the book, which I thought was cool. But I missed the lions and tigers and bears things. And I missed the Toto, we're not in Kansas anymore. I missed that line. Ah, yes. And don't pay any attention to the guy behind the screen. (laughs) Ah, well, yeah. Oh, dear. Um... There, there are so many wonderful lines from from that movie. They're, they've they've just become part of our culture. They really have, especially the uh, Dorothy. We're not in Kansas anymore. I mean, I've heard people say that in all kinds of situations. Kind of like I'm not expendable. I'm not stu- or I'm not stupid. I'm not expendable, and I'm not going. I imagine a lot of people have heard that. Don't even know where it comes from. In fact, in fact, Marie, uh, Mercedes Lackey turned it around in one of her books. She t- turned it around to where he showed that he was, you know, he'd have to be stupid to do this. And it, he was stupid, he was expendable, and he had to go. You know, it's interesting. Yeah, it's amazing how, how um, classic books contribute to the culture. And there are so many instances where... People make references to 
to the Wizard of Oz. I mean, I'm serious. I'm actually serious. I mean, I have heard people say, you know, if if something strange happens or or if something, um, yeah, if something strange happens or something unexpected, somebody will up and say, Dorothy, I don't think we're in Kansas anymore. You know, it, it's just like there's so many lines that are that are. Um, they're a part of the part of the culture now. You know, it's 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 the same as Shakespeare. I mean, there are lines from Shakespeare that are part of the culture, and lines from the Bible, and and lines from the Wizard of Oz, and and you know, it's just um, it's just a wonderful thing. It really is, and I think part of the reason that the Wizard of Oz has become so so um, endemic to our culture is that it was broadcast on TV once a year or at least once a year I think it still is sometimes um, for years and years and years and years um, it was it, it was broadcast on TV I remember when I was in school that was a big deal when they were approaching the running of uh, Wizard of Oz and we all had we had there were several books. I mean, this went through several different grades. They would read. It was never, by the way, the full Wizard of Oz books. They were little, you know, I talked about Alice in Wonderland with the little wonder books or golden books or whatever. They had summarized versions. And we'd act it out. And I remember several times we went to other schools. We, we were When we were at School for the Blind, we went to other schools that had, that had the play of it. You know, they... They adapted it for a play, and of course you couldn't have things like the winged monkeys and some of the other things they did in the. But there was a, a version of it that was doable by the play. I mean, it was a big, a big culture, a big event in our year about every February or March when that came out, and it was year after year. And you know the kids miss that, and they get stupid stuff now, awful stuff. Yeah, it's pretty awful. Um, well, I I don't watch a whole lot of TV these days. I really don't. Um, I, I I think there are like three shows that I watch, and they're not even modern shows. They're they're old old ones. I watch Dragnet and I watch Emergency, <laughs> and I watch the news. But that's you know that's the sum total. Series TV just isn't what it used to be. You know, for one thing, it's all got to be connected. They can't have an individual episode that beginning begins has a middle and ends um and the other thing is all the characters sound alike anymore when i mentioned cedar cove earlier and so many times people a friend of mine who who isn't blind and we noticed this back in the 70s that we kind of kept the secret about it for a while but we kind of came out and both admitted and i've talked to other people that the a lot of the tv and movie characters we were interested weren't the young hunks they were the older guys with the interesting voices. And, and we made another connection that a lot of them had stage background experience. And, and you could tell, you know, the difference between the people that had some kind of Broadway or other kind of stage experience. And today's people, it's all about looks, and they all sound alike, and they all try to sound alike. And, and, um, and the other thing is you used to be able to tell by the music what was going on. Like if there was an action show, they're sneaking up on the music or there's the papers just blew off the table music or whatever. 
um, or surprised music. And now, when they're doing something, they come on somebody's uh, rock video has to be uh, played, and you hear someone singing while a couple are walking off together talking about a dialogue that we probably, as a as a viewer of the TV show, would kind of like to watch. So it's harder to make out a TV program now than it was back in the 60s, 70s, 80s. Well, you're sure right about that. Um, and I also think the lines for TV shows are just not as good as they used to be. The dialogue is just not as good as it used to be. And that's why I like older movies. Um because the dialogue is so much better. It, it really is. The modern movies are all this stage effects and all this, you know, um, all these technical effects and, you know, all this stuff. And the older movies concentrated on dialogue because that was what was so important. And that's why I like the old movies. But anyway, Julia, my friend, what are we doing next week or next month? Well, I did a search for Christmas fantasy novels and came up with nothing. I was hoping you good fantasy people would have an idea. I wanted to do something Christmassy and classic-y at the same time, and I came up with Zilch. I've read some um, Christmas ro- fantasy romances, and I can't think of what they are now. There's one on Bookshare, An Angel for Christmas, um, which is really just a family family um, gets together for Christmas, but one of the people isn't quite what he seems. Um, and there are there are a lot in the uh, paranormal romance that are Christmas-centered, but I don't really think they're the kind of books we normally get for this group. Well, how about the uh, uh, the, the old classic um, The Christmas Carol? I mean, that's a fantasy. It truly is. Because it has ghosts, and it doesn't have witches, but it has ghosts, and it it doesn't have wizards. But it's a fantasy. Um, Definitely a fantasy. But let me think. Christmas. Um, Well, of course, I I think of the Nutcracker, but there's not a, a book about the Nutcracker. I mean, there's... You know, there's not a story like that. Um, I'm just trying to think. Well, there's... uh, What is it? Something about the North Pole. The North Pole. Something about the North Pole. Um... But anything that would have to do with, with, you know, Santa's elves and all that kind of stuff would be fantasy, I would think. Um, let me, uh, let me take a look here. Hold on a second. Oh, I didn't realize Christmas Carol. I thought of that, but I didn't think it was fantasy. I forgot about the ghosts. Do you mean the Polar Express? You know, I have a much broader concept of what fantasy is than you guys do. Because anything that involves the supernatural, I think of as fantasy. Whether it's um, whether it's ghosts or witches or wizards or uh, people seeing into the future, time travel that does not have a scientific, you know, whether we're running an experiment and this is how it happens, 
uh, but time travel where somebody gets bumped on the head, you know, Connecticut Yankee kind of event uh, where there's no scientific explanation. I just, I just have a, a funny big version of idea of what I think of as fantasy. And yes, I think it was Polar Express. And was that ever a book? I think it was just a movie. I thought it was a book. I seem to remember Mom reading it to us when we were little. Maybe we could do a, a word search for Santa Claus and Bard and a word search for Santa Claus and Bookshare and see what we come up with. That's a good idea. Not that Santa Claus is necessarily um, the only kind of Christmas fantasy there could be, but it might be a way to, to get a list. Well, I found four books. Um, and one of them is The Nutcracker uh, by Susan Kopp, 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 C-O-P-P-E, uh, TB59654 or something. I forget the number. I mean, I just read it, but you know. Um, but there, there is The Nutcracker, and uh, it is the story of the, uh, of the ballet, and there are letters from Father Christmas, and let me see what else we got. Hold on. Well, the Nutcracker might be kind of interesting because we all know the story of the Christmas Carol, and we sort of know the Nutcracker, but not really as far as a coherent story. We know what, what this piece is about and what that piece is about and so on, but as a coherent story, yeah, I think I remember reading that many years ago as on cassette. Um, it's kind of kind of interesting. Yeah, I didn't realize that was an actual book. It's not the book, and then Tchaikovsky wrote the ballet. It's somebody took the ballet and wrote it as a book, I believe. I can't remember. I think there is some explanation up at the front. I don't remember what it was, but it's not. It's not something written in 1886 or anything like that. I don't believe. Oh, okay. So they made a book out of the the uh, ballet. I found. As I say, Letters from Father Christmas. I found a book of short stories by Ursula K. Le Guin, which is, um, well, I don't know. It's meh. But, um, and I found something that's called Oh, See, I Can't See, which is a time travel book about some kids that go back to Valley Forge in 1776 and persuade George Washington to... Uh, attack the uh, the British Army on Christmas, um, you know, across the Delaware and all that. Uh, so it's kind of historical fiction. Um, but that's what I found. I did a search for fantasy Christmas, so that's what I found. I vote strongly against Ursula K. Le Guin. I don't like her writing. I don't like her writing either. She's got an agenda. Okay, well, I haven't read anything by Ursula K. Le Guin, so I don't mind if we don't do that. I think The Nutcracker would be fun. What about you guys? That sounds kind of interesting. What do you think, Lana? Should we read The Nutcracker? Earth to Lana. Earth to Lana. I don't know if my control key clicks all the time when I try to talk. I say I vote for I vote for Nutcracker. Well, I guess that makes it uh, unanimous. Um I'll send the book number. It's 59-something. I mean, I've got... Hold on. I never look up a book by number. If we get the correct spelling of the title and the correct spelling of the author, that's what we go by. Who cares? Who pays attention to book numbers? Who can remember book numbers? Uh, DB59454. The Nutcracker. 
by Suzanne Kopp, C-O-P-P-E. And uh, hello, Bobby Vinton. I thought that was a singer. Anyway, um, and I think there's supposed to be some program coming on at 9. Or is that not in here? I think it's in the some other room. But uh, sounds good to me. Well, I hope everyone has a good Thanksgiving and a wonderful week ahead, a wonderful month to the next time we meet. And get all your Christmas gifts together and all that stuff. I hope it all goes well for everybody. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. We should be meeting on the 15th of December because um, that's the third Sunday in December. Um, so we'll see you all then. Good night, everybody, and have a wonderful lead-up to Christmas.